Welcome to the Cocktail Lovers Podcast. I'm Sandra. And I'm Gary. And together, we are the Cocktail Lovers. We're a married couple and we've been writing about cocktails for the past 12 years. But this is the place where we'll be talking about cocktails. We're going to be talking about products. We're going to be talking about books. And we're going to be talking about the bars that we love and we think that you'll love too. We'll also be checking in with some of the biggest names in the industry and asking them to share their top tips with us to help you up your mixing game at home. We like to think of ourselves as your new best friends cocktail wise so let's hear what's on the show this week well it's the final episode of our fourth season and for many of our listeners it's also approaching the halfway stage of dry january so with that in mind here's what's in store our products take in high point a non-alcoholic ruby aperitif from cornwall and sarvel a non-alcoholic premix cocktail Our book comes from a writer more commonly associated with comic writing, Kingsley Amis, who, in this collection, Everyday Drinking, shares a range of observations from dry days to dry martinis. We also drop into Lioness to sample its new menu, Ancestral Cookbook, where great drinks with and without alcohol go hand in hand. And our guest is someone who took their newfound sobriety some 10 years ago and has since gone on to turn it into an inspiring career. Laura Willoughby, MBE, co-founder of Club Soda. But first, we are the cocktail lovers. So let's make ourselves a cocktail. Right, I'd like to start by offering you a glass of water. Oh, that's very civilised. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. this is what a lot of Thank people you. think about if you're doing dry January. Now, yeah. I love water as much as the next and person. And we should all drink plenty of and it. And we all should, but sometimes it gets a little bit boring. <laughs> you said it. And the other thing, though, when you're making cocktails at home or thinking about what to drink at home, Sometimes the non-alcoholic varieties can be quite expensive, so you don't necessarily want to splash out on lots of different bottles. You can do, but for when you're counting the pennies, you want something that's a little bit interesting, a little bit flavoursome, but not necessarily breaking the budget. So... I have just the thing for you. Oh, okay. And it's called Lemon, Lime and Bitters. And it's as simple as that, actually. Lemon, Lemon Lime, lime and, bitters. and Bitters. So I'm going to do two versions. Right. Um, there's lots of different variations on it. Some of it uses lemonade, some use soda, some use lime and lemon soda, some use lime cordial. But I'm just going to keep it very, very simple. So there's lots of variations. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. Like all good things, you know, you can find the one that suits you best. Yeah. I'm going to keep it really simple, just doing lemonade, lime juice, and the all-essential Angostura aromatic bitters. Right. Which gives it that complexity that you want when you want a drink and you want some flavour and not feel that you're just having your water, which you're not drinking, by the way. <laughs> I did have a sip. Let me have another sip while, you're, while okay. you're working. So for the lemonade version, we have 150 ml of lemonade. All right. Fancy if you want, or just as, you know. To... Again, finding that one you like. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And what you've got, tall glasses there filled with yeah, ice. Filled yeah, filled with ice. Yeah. And then 15 mil 
of... So, sorry, so that's 50 or 15? 15, 15. Right, okay. Of freshly squeezed lime juice. Yeah. Put that all in. And then here's the essential bit. Right, the Angostura aromatic bit. Yes, and this is really your seasoning. It's flavour, it's spices, it's all sorts of wonderful things. So four to five dashes. And that's the thing, because it's an essential ingredient in so many great cocktails, but it's interesting to see you using it in this way. Yeah, so that's that. And you serve it with a straw, Mm -hmm. paper, or a metal one is much better, so then... You, as a drinker, can just sort of stir it in as you as you drink, sip and savour. Well, I'm going in. I'm okay. Going in. And then the other one I'm going to do is the same, but with a soda instead. So I'm, I'm not doing lime and lemon soda. It's just a plain soda. 150 ml again. Right. Okay. I'm using London Essence here, soda. Again, over the... Ice. Tall glass. Tall glass. What am I missing? The lime juice, 15 mils again. And then four to five dashes of that. So it's essentially just replacing the lemonade with soda. Yes, but you could, if you wanted to, add some sugar syrup to this just to give it a little bit of sweetener if you want to. Yeah. But we'll try it without. Every great drink is about balance, isn't it? Yeah, that might need a little bit of sweetening. Swap because I've had it's a sip of the first one. Yeah. yeah, the lemonade works because it has got the the sweetener in yeah. it. Interestingly, though, I I like both, but I actually prefer the one with the soda. Well, there you go. Because it's kind of got a, a drier drier yes, finish. Absolutely, um, but both work really really well. And I think, as you said at the beginning, these are. Nice, refreshing drinks to have in the cocktail hour. Absolutely. And also, you buy a bottle of Angostura bitters and it lasts you for years. So it's something that is a really handy one to have as they drink it. Often in Australia, it's one of their staple drinks. So that is lemon, lime and bitters for Jive January. My choice this week is called High Point, and it is High Point Ruby Aperitif from Cornwall. Lovely. And um, something we've talked about, I know, over the years, months, weeks, there's been a real rise in the availability of different non-alcoholic libations. Mm -hmm. Nice choice of word there, Gary. I know, I I like Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, So, yeah, you know, we've tried a lot. Some are great, some not so great. Mm. So we'll try it neat, but I think there could be some recipes to follow. Okay. And this is the first time we're trying it. So, oh, yeah. You know, we have, as you said, we've tried some that we haven't liked. Yeah. Couple that we like. Mm. And this one is getting a live airing. So, Uh, um, (laughs) let's see which camp it falls into okay right so let's just it brief- looks good yeah let me just briefly let's just briefly talk about the bottle i'll pass it over to you it's yeah nice clean design yeah tall oh, slim long. very yeah. i'm not going to say your favorite word elegant bottle but um, <laughs> yeah it is it, it looks very serious doesn't yeah. it? it 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 stands very tall and proud 
And um, yeah, it's a very intriguing design. I'm yeah. looking forward to trying yeah, this one. Yeah, and, and it's nice because it's clear glass. You can see the sort of r- ruby yeah, liquid within, which is quite ruby. appealing. And there's a nice little logo design or symbol on it, which I wondered what it was at first. But I think what it is, it looks like a sunset over a, a tour, a, a Cornish tour, those sort of piles of rocks. Oh, right, so, okay. I think okay. that's what it is. Well, but anyway, that's what I think. Well, that's I, what you can... <laughs> that's what I think it is. I could be wrong. Anyway, so let's let's crack it open because um, it's very much about... They talk about the high point of the day in a sort of food, good that's friends. A, that's enough, that's you know, enough. All of that. Now, let's get that out. High point of the day, they say. So let me point pass this over to you and see okay. if it's the high point of our day. And so have, have you got any information on what's yeah, in it? Well, it's all about fermentation. There's They, they stress very much so that there's no artificial colours or flavours and it's made with all natural ingredients taken from the surrounding Cornish countryside and okay. mixed with Cornish spring water and tea leaves. Mm, I can taste the tea. It has got a very bitter taste. It's really... It's perfect for these days now where people's palates are much bit more bitter. Yes, I very would much. say. It's very bitter um, in, a, in a very quite Yeah, way, and uh, probably they won't like this, but I'm just going to compare it to acorn aperitif, mm-hmm. which was something that we tried a good few years ago, which does remind me of this, yeah. or and this reminds me of that. Much, yes. So there is that bitter element that you definitely, um, well, you have to cut that through with something like some tonic or or something to to lengthen it. But the complexity is there. It's got real depth and, yeah, depth of flavour, which is lovely. Well, I'm I'm a big fan of bitter Mm. flavour, so I like this. And it has got a real richness of flavour, as you say. Um, They've got some interesting things going on in there. They've got lavender, wormwood, pink peppercorn, orange zest pink grapefruit zest so there's a lot going on Mm. and i think it comes through in the flavor i think it's quite tasty we're having it room temperature but Mm. i think you could just have this over ice i think this would be a good aperitif over ice Mm, i would have it with something yeah Mm. it's it's a bit too bitter for me i mean it's interesting as well because something else we've said i know this conversation we've had about with some of the non-elk is that most of them sort of say drink with tonic or soda which is great because mm. spritzes are a thing of mm. course but it been it's nice sometimes to see pushed a little bit further yeah some the, creative ways yeah they've got a couple of suggestions on their site and they talk about it in a version of a clover club for example okay. so they're just talking about shaking this up in with fresh raspberries so i think that could work yeah quite well yeah to bring that, that element of sweet they also have another version another variant don't they in the range they do they have a digestive yes which uh, that would be nice that to would try. be worth trying mm. and they talk about making an old-fashioned brilliant so, it, as yeah. you say it's really nice to see some creativity with it because We've seen quite a lot of the ones that have come through lately, and it's all just like served with with soda. And it's a little bit of a cheat, I think. I think you want to see some other ways that you yeah. can play around with it. And, so and they have done. Here. Yeah, if, good for yeah. High Point. So, okay, and so how much is, is that? High Point Ruby Aperitif. £19.99 okay. for a 70cl bottle. Marvellous. So my choice, I've actually gone for pre-mixed non-out drinks here. Um, They're called Savelle, 
and it's founded by Avnish Babla, all vegan, vegetarian-friendly, gluten-free, non-alk. It's one of those, but it's supposed to be packed with flavor. Right. So there's four pre-mixed alcohol-free cocktails in this range. There's a Bellini flavor, Paloma flavor, Moscow Mule, and Mojito. So they've gone down the route of all recognisable Yeah, absolutely, drink. which you should, I yeah. guess. Um, also, they're in lovely colours, natural-ish colours, but colours nonetheless. So it really pops out a bit. Um, like they're the available, bottles. yes, yeah. they're available in bottles and cans. And again, oh, okay. we don't have the cans, but the cans are long and thin like these bottles are as well. Here's the Bellini one. Which They're looks very smart, lovely. Aren't they? Very yeah, smart. Yeah. I really like the look of these. So, and also, nothing to do. It's all pre mixed. They've got the flavour balance apparently spot on. We'll have a, a, a taste of that to see. So, which would you like to try? We've got oh, three here. The. What's the other one again? Sorry. That's the Bellini. Oh. Go with a Bellini, please. Bellini, okay. We'll try two, I think. Why not? Yeah. So, here we go. It's the last episode in this current <laughs> season, yes. so let's go wild. Okay. Got nice effervescence to it. Oh, it has. Ooh, looks nice in the glass. Yes. Actually, I should have put this in a flute, just so we could have got the full idea of it. it smells really nice. Mm. It's got a sweetness on the nose, but not... A natural, very natural Yeah, sweetness. exactly. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's thin, but I do like it. Mm. You know, it's not sugary sweet because no. sometimes Bellinis, proper Bellinis, you know, mm. not proper, but yeah. full alk Bellinis, yes. they can be too cloying, very thick and mm. quite sweet. But this actually, I prefer. Yeah, it's got a little bit of sweetness. Mm. I think this is another really important point about uh, mm. non-alks generally, whether they're the sort of ingredient, if you like, as the previous one was, or a pre-mix. Yeah. They can be too sweet. Yeah. I think this is the balance. I think they've done really it good, really actually. well. So it's a sort of dry Prosecco mm. essence. Mm. They have aromatic bitters and rich peach notes. I so like this I really lot, like actually. that. I mean, and if you got served this yeah. at a party or in a bar, you'd be very happy, wouldn't you? Yes, definitely. Okay, we can try another one. Right, you choose this time. Uh, mojito, because okay. that's one of the popular drinks. I'm still sipping this. I like this a lot, you know. It's very nice. And it doesn't have that cloying thing that you usually get. So let's see with mojito, because that's a very popular cocktail yes. choice all year round. So it'll be interesting immediately getting some lime on the nose, which Thank is you. lovely. Do you think of that silence here? Everybody? Yeah, no, I'm just I'm giving it a little... No, uh, no, I'm nose. just saying because it is one of those you want to contemplate, which is great. Yeah, you're right about the lime and in the flavour. It's got a nice... Um, I'm trying to sort of put my finger on it. It's got a nice sort of herbaceousness to yeah, it. Yeah, well, that's the, mm. the mint, isn't mm. it? And that's really coming through a lot. It's... Um, I guess it's more minty flavoured than the the other one felt more of a Bellini. This has got the hints of a mojito, but more coming through in the mint side yeah. of it, I think. I think it's a bit of a double-edged sword. On the one hand, I couldn't put my hand on my heart and say this is very much like a mojito. It's got the essence of a mojito, but it helps you 
choose it when it's on display. You think, oh, I like a mojito. Yeah, this absolutely. It's going to take me in that direction. And, you know, the, the, the key characteristics are there, which yeah. is that minty hit, yeah. isn't it? And again, I think the balance is very good. Yeah. It's just sweet enough. Yes, yeah. but not overly sweet because yeah. some mojitos can be too sweet. So yeah. I think that's a really good good hit these actually yeah, just straight definitely. from the fridge yeah no need to chill no ice or anything just poured and you're you're done i think that's really good they're um as i said available in cans and bottles um they have a collection pack of all four variants right um that's usually 10 pounds but it's eight pounds at the moment um during dry january and that is Savel. Dot com and we'll have all details and pictures as always on our Instagram feed and website. And now for a cocktail hack from one of our experts. Hi, my name is Claire Warner. I'm the co-founder of Acorn Drinks. My cocktail hack is balsamic vinegar. It's the humble ingredient that all of us have got in our store cupboards, but it makes for a really delicious cocktail ingredient. So give it a go with acorn, aromatic and a splash of tonic and just write to me and tell me how delicious it is because I will not be surprised. Well, we have been to the bar that we're, we're about to review before, but the reason that we're picking up on it again is because it is dry January and it is about conviviality as well. Yeah. So the fact that it's one of the, the months where people are abstaining doesn't mean that you should lock yourself indoors. Absolutely and, not. And be no. boring, basically. Yeah. So, or be bored. Or bored, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And this is the time when you do need to be with people, let's face yeah, it. <laughs> dark, long, dark nights. Yeah. So the bar in question is, Gary? It's Lioness. Mm-hmm. And the new menu is called Ancestral Cookbook. Yeah. We love this bar. I mean, one of the reasons, there's many reasons we love it. But one of the things, and this is why we've chosen it for this week, is because of the way that they always have included boozeless, as they say, variations of some of their boozy cocktails. And it's been something that they've done right from the start. So you (laughs) and your pals can be out together and are having the same experience, whether you're drinking alcohol or not. And this is the case that we did... This week, didn't we? we? We did. We were actually quite, I'm quite proud of us. We were quite scientific about this, weren't we? Yeah, we're, we took it seriously, we, we, as we always do, <laughs> Gary. We always, sure, sure. we always take everything so <laughs> But we agreed in advance what we were going to do, that mm. we would order some of these drinks with or without and ask not to be told which, which was, was which, which and then just chat about them and take it from there. So, yes. Before we get into that, just talk a little bit about the menu overall. Yes. What they've done is it's following off on from the previous menu, which is the British cookbook. And again, they've found got, they've got five core ingredients, which they've really sort of experimented with, created lots of science as yes. ever has gone and, into and, this. And the thing is, you have to really emphasize the fact that they create flavors yes. these are not flavors that you naturally find or you can pull off the shelf not they go no. out of their way to create new flavors that can challenge your perceptions on everyday things you know yeah. it's and also if i was a bartender i would love to work here because it's such a great place for experimentation and creativity yeah. you know learning so, yeah. sharing ideas yes yeah and from that they've created these five Core ingredients are called tree caramel. Which I love. Yeah. Everything vinegar, 
Death Bitters, Thunder Mushroom, and B&B. And also, it's worth saying that with all of these, you can get little taster glasses. Yes, yes. First of all, if you want. Yeah, and I think it is a good way for you to understand the core of all of the cocktail that they have on offer, because there's 15 in total, and they're all broken down to these five different core ingredients. So we, I mean, you could talk about this for an hour, really. But, you know, for for instance, say the tree caramel, which is one of the flavours that we spoke about, this is something completely bonkers and great that only lioness probably would do where they take the tree the tree bark from the african bry wood which is a barbecue type wood and then they put it under various stresses of sort of extreme hot extreme cold and then sort of putting it through all these different processes to stress it out and then take out the the actual tea or the syrup or sap and make that into this core ingredient, which they call tree caramel, which is absolutely delicious. And it's the same kind of extraordinary complex things that they do to all of the others. We can't go into all the details, but they're great. I mean, the thing is also about the menu, and when I say the menu, the, the hard copy menu that we look through, which is great, is you can go as little or as deep into these subjects the as geekery, you like. The, yes. And they call it geekery, yes, it's their word. Yes. And they, uh, So if you look at the back of the menu, they'll they'll give you a lot of detail on how mm. they And nice little pictures flavors. as well yeah. to show how But you know what, done. if you just want to stay at the front of the menu and just order some great drinks, that's great too. Yes. So, speaking so, of which... So, what should we talk about our first drink we had mm. from the nature versus nurture section of the menu and this was called the goldblum whiptail yes which is with its boozy side is kenobi and beefy to london dry gin the tree caramel burnt pea pods lime and lime blossom and as we said we ordered one of each we ordered the the full strength one and the boozeless one and they both came looking absolutely gorgeous both look the same identical yeah absolutely so if you're in a group of friends no one i mean not that people chastise you these days or shame on them Mm. if they do but you feel like you're part of the group don't you so it took us a good few sips before we worked out which one was which yeah yeah and and that's not saying that the booze isn't good it was just that it was a that the one with the gin was very subtly balanced and also so the one without the gin was so beautifully balanced that you couldn't really tell that there was no booze in there. Was no, it, <laughs> it, was, it was a very interesting thing because uh, when we kept trying them, I think actually what I should say first up is we both went, wow, these are great. Yes, yes. You know, regardless the of main what's thing. with or without, yeah. we both liked both. And we thought, oh, wow, these are really delicious. And we went backwards. And as you say, I think when we eventually held her hands up and sort of said, could you tell us which is which? Um, the one with, it wasn't like a really uh, spirit-forward no, drink. It no. wasn't, well, this is so. So the, the balance of both was, mm. well, it was perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Really, really good. And they did taste different, but not in a 
obvious booze and booze-less no, way. They just know? felt like different. Yes. Not different. They felt like variations on the same on drink, the same but drink. not necessarily And, and the key boozy. thing that we did get coming through was that lovely pea flavour, which was pods. amazing. Yeah, burnt really, pea really Because that gave it a, both of them a real freshness. Yeah, and I a really real intensity. That. So that was great. Yeah. And then what was our other one that our we had? Our other one from the Extreme Conditions section of the menu, and this was called comma chameleon Mm -hmm. and that's with lakes whiskey starboard whiskey campai sake liqueur goat milk b&b waste not want not float and Um, again looked identical Mm -hmm. when they arrived now this was easier i think to to identify which was booze less and boozy Mm -hmm. but not again not in an obvious way it's just that the 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 one with the whiskey did have that more intensity of the smokiness of the whiskey coming through but the boozeless one was super delicious. And both, actually, what I meant to say, also with the Goldblum Whiptail, it was a lovely, creamy mouthfeel, didn't it? So there yes. was that real richness to the Which drink. I love. Yeah. yeah. And you get yeah. that with this one as mm. well, with the Comma Chameleon. It was just a lovely, rich, very warming and inviting drink. It was yeah, beautiful. And, and interestingly, even the, the non-alk version of it, it was it was it felt like you sipped it. It didn't feel like you were going to quaff it no so in the sense of like a whiskey drink he's kind of sipped it and mm, contemplated savored, it yeah, and savored it and really it really good and the way uh they on the menu they, these are broken down and the, the ones that are not available without alcohol have little asterisks on price wise the difference is in the first one we talked about the goldblum whiptail with alcohol 15 pounds without eight pounds mm. and the other one with 14.50 without eight pounds so Great, great drinks. And I, they, as ever, they, what didn't surprise me was how well they've done this. Yeah, really great. Well. And also, you always get somebody that will come to your table and really spend a lot of time going yeah. through the menu because they understand that it's not necessarily a menu that people will totally understand straight away so we had a lovely lucas who came and explained everything to us and he was great really informed inform informative and really clearly enjoying the whole process so we would say during january or any time of year if you're cutting down on the booze or want a really really good flavorsome drinks experience lioness gets our vote of approval every single time absolutely right book choice over the last few episodes we've done a lot of new books because there have been some as we said before there have been some great new cocktail books over last year but just for a change, I'm delving into the library and going back to a book that I, I don't know. I can't even remember when I got it. It's so old. And it's called Everyday Drinking by Kingsley Amis. Mm. Not a drinks writer, of course, but much more known years ago as a comic author. Mm-hmm. But this book, I picked it up in a secondhand shop. I think it was originally written in the 80s or something. And it's a collection of short pieces. He used to write a regular column, apparently, for a newspaper at the weekends. And this is just a collection of those columns. And it's just his observations on the world of drinks. So he talks about pubs and wine and beer and cocktails. And I should say, because it is the 1980s and with these kind of books, you have to kind of say, there are some references in there. You kind of think, mm, really? <laughs> Would that work now? Yeah, I think so you not. Get, but, you know, leave that on one side. Mm. He is a funny writer. 
and as i say he talks about all sorts of things but uh, it's like a little handbook it's it's mainly type there's a couple of funny little cartoons again that look very dated but i like his reference to cocktails at the beginning he sort of says cocktails have always appealed to me because they involve mixtures experiments paraphernalia testing tasting and finally serving so i think that hasn't changed Mm -hmm. i'd agree with all of those let me pass that over to you have a look at and the other thing i like is because he was a comic writer so there's always some, there's some humor in the things he says but he's also he does like his drink um <laughs> and he talks about all sorts but i must just pick out a couple of things on the dry martini that okay. he says one is that he talks about it should always be very cold so interestingly he likes his dry martinis after they've been stirred he likes them in a tumbler Mm. Over ice to keep them cold, which is quite... What, served in the tumbler? Or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's stirred normally over ice in a mixing glass. Yes, yeah. and then served in the tumbler. Served in the tumbler oh. over more ice to keep it really, really cold. Okay. But the other thing he says about dry martinis, and did, this did make me laugh when I read it. He said, I would never order a dry martini in a pub, um, but in an emergency, mm-hmm. if I need one in a pub, I order three measures of gin in one glass, a measure of uh, vermouth in another glass, dip my finger in the vermouth, <laughs> and then stir the ice in the gin glass with my vermouth-covered oh my finger, wow. which I suppose that is an emergency, and I certainly really? would recommend it, but it did make me laugh when I read it. So and Quite a spectacle, I would yeah. imagine. <laughs> so so any, any thoughts over there on the book? Well, yeah, there's lots of... I, I love the little um, cartoons, actually. Yeah. I think they're really, really fun and um, refreshing, and also it breaks up the text, which is good but there are some lovely observations and you can tell this is somebody who does like a drink he's got some lovely little turns of phrases and also just going through all of the different spirits categories and it's just nice to have something that is not necessarily a recipe book but just a you know observational book on drinks and the joy of drinking well that that's it i think he's sure it's sharing that joy and it's it's not the sort of book i think you'd sit down and read cover to cover i think you just have it to one side by the bed or on the coffee table just pick it up read a couple of the columns and put a smile on your face so that is kingsley amos everyday drinking it's out of print. Oh, but well, I, that's good for you to recommend. <laughs> no, but I did, before I said that, I did have a look. And you can pick up, there are loads of second-hand copies right. available to find online. So, you know, it's only a couple of quid. Why not treat yourself? Salomon. Laurel Willoughby is one of the most influential people in the drinks industry in the UK, which is particularly impressive as she gave up drinking 10 years ago. Following a career in politics and social change, standing for Parliament twice and being awarded an MBE for services to the community in London, Laura turned her campaigning head to the world of alcohol-free drinking. Club Soda is the mindful drinking movement she co-founded with Jussie Tolvey in 2014. It has over 70,000 individual members and nearly 100 brand members who they support through research and collaborative projects. As well as running courses and providing practical tools to cut down or stop drinking, 
publishing How to Be a Mindful Drinker and organising the UK's only mindful drinking festival, Laura and the team have opened the Club Soda Tasting Room, shop and bar in London. Could there be a better person to speak to in dry January? We think not. Laura, welcome to the Cocktail Lovers podcast. Gosh, wow. Thank you for that introduction. That makes me sound a lot better than I think I am. But um, if you'd like to just go in front of me at every event, Sandra, and introduce me, that'd be lovely. I'll do my best. It will be an absolute pleasure. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, yeah, welcome, Laura. Now, before we get to where you are now, let's start with how it all began. It's been 10 years since you gave up drinking. So when, why and how did you turn sobriety into your career? I know I didn't expect it to be a career. Campaigning has always been my career. And, you know, I've been in local government for a long time. I got elected when I was very young, when I was 23. I even used to chair licensing committee for all of you people out there who now probably don't like me even more, <laughs> not drinking and licensing committee. Um, but I, I, when I gave up drinking, I didn't want to go to AA or any of those things. They weren't something that appealed to me. They didn't suit the identity that I had or that the identity that I wanted. And um, when I finally managed to change my drinking, I'm, I'm not anyone who's been through this. When you start going to parties and events, people are really curious about how you did it. And so I wanted to create exactly that, which was the, the thing that people could join, regardless of what their goal is. I'm not interested in telling people what to do. So whether the goal is to cut down, stop for a bit or quit, I want to create that space for people to come and do a supported but self-guided journey to change the drinking, just like you would if you joined Weight Watchers or Slimming World, something like that. And so that's where the idea came from. And I got onto a programme for people coming out of local government who wanted to, you know, create solutions to change the world. And that's where Club Soda was born. But quite quickly in 2015, after we launched, I got some funding from Hackney Council to look specifically at why it was that the offer for non-drinkers in pubs and bars was basically shared and what we could do about it and so we did this big piece of research in Dalston we went and visited we did a field study of all of the pubs and bars which is a a very posh word for a pub crawl and we spoke to lots of bar owners about what it would take for them to change and that was before any of the alcohol-free products really hit the market you know in 2017 Heineken came and then Big Drop and Everleaf but until that point there hadn't really been anything and so one of the things we identified was there needed to be better choice and options and it it had to be better than, you know, a pint of Coke, as well as the fact that, you know, pubs and bars need to see it as, as something that could help them make more money. Um, you know, money's an important part of any business. And so we started that process. And so that's where, you know, it was a bit of a fortunate timing. But on the back of that, we built our first pub guide, which the City of London paid for out of its nighttime economy levy. And we began to really talk to pubs and bars and restaurants in a way that they liked because they haven't hounded me out of the pubs and bars uh, to date. I mean, there's always time. And um, and we've begun to create a narrative, which is exactly that. It's not about taking anything away. It's about what you add in. And so that's really the genesis. So there's a lot of luck in timing there. There's the fact that I guess when it comes to complementary skills in the sector, the fact I'm a campaigner and I understand legislation and all of that sort of stuff and how local government works really helps and has helped the brands in this space as well. And basically, we we've had this twin track of 
creating courses to help people change their drinking, including one that's completely free to anyone who works in the drinks industry that's funded by the Drinks Trust, of which I'm very proud because up until now, there's not really been anywhere for hospitality sector to point staff to who might be worried about their drinking. And we also, you know, talk a lot about, you know, drinks, changing your menus, why it's a good idea, what brands would suit your venue. And we've created a space where you can come and try all those things in the tasting rooms in Covent Garden. Wow, you've been so busy. I mean, when you started Club Soda, I know that it was something that you did for yourself and also to help and encourage other people that are in the same predicament. But how did you see it panning out? Because it's huge, isn't it? Well, I like the fact that you think I could see where it was panning out at all, Sandra. It's very lovely of you. But, um, you know, all that business advice you get given, whether you set up a bar or whether you create a brand, which is, you know, do find do one thing and do it well. It's not really something I subscribe to. <laughs> we haven't done um, that. <laughs> and I, and I, I, I basically followed the leads. You know, when it was really clear very early on, I managed to get into a meeting with um, a few of the supermarkets and realised that the labelling of alcohol-free was still really complicated in this country and, and really a mess. I went and knocked on the doors of Big Drop and said, did you know this was a problem? And, you know, since then, I've been involved in campaigning for that change and trying to work out how to make that happen. These are all following threads. We did the festival because I realised finally we had enough brands to put together in a square. And I really had to scrape 20 brands together in 2017 when we did that first festival. But luckily, there were some food stands in the space as well. Otherwise, it would have looked a bit empty. But now, you know, we have to turn away brands from those events. So it's a bit about luck it's a bit that a bit about the fact that I don't think think I think everything's possible and you know if there was an idea I wanted to follow it and see where it took us it doesn't make us any money but it is fun absolutely (laughs) and we're a social impact business we're a B Corp so you know we have a mission to uh, you know we have a mission lock which is to help people drink more mindfully and live well and there's lots of ways that we can do that and and you you've touched on it a few times about your experience in in the campaigning space and driving change and you know with that in mind particularly in the early days of club soda i'm sure there must have been a lot of resistance and challenges how did you overcome these um i think it's i mean ultimately we're we're at this really um, interesting point you know when you know a lot of things happen at one point of time and it creates some perfect harmony and certainly you know there has been a drop off in alcohol use as a whole or at least it's it's more static and in some countries it's it's reducing quite quickly there were clearly brands like Heineken and others that saw an opportunity in that market and you know whatever you think of them they come with very big budgets which means that they can put alcohol free right in front and center of people's faces so it is a real perfect storm of, of changing habits availability of product the fact that lots of people are now talking on social media about changing their drinking habits, which, you know, is actually quite important. You know, we we were the first voice out there, but come two years after we started, young people started to talk on Instagram about not drinking, changing their habits. Then uh, two years later, men joined in and a lot more men, particularly into health and fitness, started to, and, and starting up businesses started to talk about how they had changed their drinking habits. So, all of those things combined create this perfect storm of changing something that's quite fundamental in Britain, which is that we're a very alcocentric country. We have a strong belief that every social occasion needs to have alcohol at it and that the pub is only for drinking alcohol. And what's begun to happen 
is the idea that you might not drink on a night out doesn't seem so ridiculous anymore. And pubs and bars being seen as places to enjoy social time. And it's not about the strength to drink in your glass. So it's a real perfect storm of things that are creating this acceptability in society that it's okay to go out and not drink. Now, for me, this is really important because I've always believed, and I'm a daughter of a publican, that pubs are a really important part of our social infrastructure in Britain and I've always felt it's a real shame that if people aren't drinking they just absent themselves from those places and so I want people to go no um, of course I'll come out on a Tuesday night because I know I can have an alcohol-free beer and drive home or I oh yes of course I can come for lunch in the pub because I can go back to work afterwards because I've had an alcohol-free gin and tonic but I've still been in that space and I think that's because because we started to talk about that we started to talk about the occasions where people could opt in rather than opt out and that those were opportunities for venues and that having choice and range suited everybody, that we were never shooed out of the door and we began and that we talked about the financials. We didn't see it as just being, you know, oh, do it because it's good. Mm. No, do it because it makes financial sense. I think that's why we we got we I haven't been hounded out and you know and people are happy to talk to us and so um, and I hope people see that because it's what we truly believe we're not anti-alcohol I don't believe in banning things as a whole and you know I want people to enjoy social time I want people to feel that they've got choices and not feel pressure to drink when they don't want to but don't also feel they have to absent themselves from social occasions when they want to go out. Yeah, it's quite interesting that you're talking about all of that social side of it, because we recently had the World Cup where everything went up in arms because the sale of alcohol was banned in the stadium. What did you think about that? Well, I think it's, it's um, I mean, there's such a very different context, the World Cup in the Middle East, right? First, and there's also a very particular context to alcohol at football anyway. You know, men's football itself alcohol and men's football doesn't mix very well you know we there's a whole history of that which is why there's restrictions on alcohol in stadiums anyway and that's just quite interesting because alcohol free only brands can now be taken out onto the terraces in some football clubs because of course you know Heineken Zero can't go out mm. on the terraces because it's still Heineken but the the alcohol free brands can so again there are occasions where a beer can be had but it um where alcohol can't so you know, there's a big history of football and alcohol anyway, then you're in a Muslim country, you know, at the end of the day, that's, that's the rules that that country made and, and you're going to have to suck it up. I think people still enjoyed their football at the end of the day. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> um, and guess what, guys, the sky didn't fall in. You still had a great time <laughs> yeah. watching the match. I remember going to the men's semi-final in Wembley and there was a whole group of guys behind who were a real pain in the arse, I have to say. They were smacking the roof. I did think it was going to come down at one point. But they had gone by the interval because I think they were too drunk and they'd got chucked out. And I have to say, you know, I'm not a football goer particularly. I'm a big theatre goer. It's so nice to remember the second half of plays. <laughs> and um, and you might find that football is more enjoyable that way too. So, but, you know, the fact that, you know, alcohol-free is now being promoted and sold in venues is a real big move. Um, a lot of people really like that. And maybe we can move people away from that narrative that the only way to enjoy yourself when you're doing a social thing is to be drunk or to be very drunk. And that there's there's a space in between that that is enjoyable. And now that's more possible because there are drinks that you would like to drink at that occasion rather than a pint of Coke, which, you know, you're sugared out after one of those. So yeah, it, it feels so sessionable. 
and and the thing is as well you know some picking up on some of those points that that, that it, as you say a few years ago there weren't any products in the space and also most of our mindsets were were very different so looking at a sort of snapshot if you were, if you like of where we are now what what do you think of the broader sort of no and low space how it's progressing I think it's quite an exciting time still. I know that if you've been in the industry, you're probably a little bit sick of hearing about no and low, and it's not as big as you think it is in the bar. But I still think we're very much at the start of something and not at the end of it. You know, when I look at the products that are on the market, some of the products are in their third or fourth iteration. They're constantly improving their product to meet the needs of the consumer and to improve taste. You know, wine has suddenly stepped up a gear, and there's some products that are really exciting on the market and some brands there and so again I still think there's a long way to go in wine but it's you know in the state 75% of the online sales in alcohol free stores are wine so if you want any if you want any idea about where there's still space to push into then you know wine is that space and I think there's a lot more we'll see from them we're just seeing the burgeoning euphorics and mind and mood enhancing spirits coming onto the market which I think is going to be big and so there is still a long way to go in this both in terms of changing consumer perceptions you know lots of people have tried alcohol free now the top selling beer in Ocado this year is Lucky Saint you know who would have thought an alcohol free beer would top the beers you know the biggest beer on TikTok is an alcohol free beer so so there's whilst Um, there's some real big success stories there's actually still a long way to go in terms of helping change perceptions particularly around older age groups particularly around that baby boomer generation and the ladette generation which is my generation there's still some way to go there's still a lot of people to try there's still a lot of tastes and um, styles to explore and this will be a constantly moving and evolving space. Alcohol will still be popular. People will still want it. And for me, it's really important to know that when we finally get our license, I've got to go to licensing committee. I am so ex- beyond excited about having to go to licensing committee. I can't tell you because somebody's objected to us having a license for a tiny bit of low alcohol product. But don't worry, it's environmental health. And they've, they've, um, they've just put in their standard responses without looking at what we are. But for me, mindful drinking isn't just about what you drink when you're not drinking. It's about what you drink when you are drinking as well. So is that a low ABV product or are you saving drinking for the drink that you like the most in the place that you might most with the people you you want to be with? There's a whole discussion there around that that quality of drinking experience as well as the not drinking experience that means that overall as a society we'll create these more diverse and inclusive drinking spaces and there will still be people who drink a fuck ton. You know, that will always be the case. That's not going away, but what I think we'll see is a movement in the way that people spend their money think about their week think about where alcohol fits into their life and their diet and make different choices but the thing that hasn't changed is people still want nice drinks and people still want to go out and socialize and that's the market it's not whether or not it's a teetotal market or a sober market it's a 
you know people want to have a drink that fits experience they don't want to drink what they've been drinking all day to rehydrate when they go to the pub Mm, absolutely which fits in nicely with the opening of club soda which we went to yesterday and we're so excited it's a beautiful store so congratulations on that i mean not only are there like a plethora of bottles but there's a lovely bar space at the back and it's really convivial it's really makes you feel that you can just wander in and explore so tell us about it can you describe it for people that haven't been there yet yeah well I'm I'm very pleased to hear you say that Sandra because for ages I've been saying to people yeah we're opening up um, a bottle shop where you'll also be able to drink in and everyone goes so you're opening a bar then I go no 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 I don't open bars (laughs) (laughs) that that thought scares the shit out of me right um but yes, we actually have a small bar. So um, we are a bottle shop. You go in, um, thanks to everybody who contributed to our crowdfunding campaign to help us paint and fit it out. It really helped create what we feel is a really luxurious space that's got multiple uses. So at the bottom of all of our shelves, all of those um doors to the cupboards pop up to tables so that we can hold cocktail classes in there, people can sit and have drinks, we can do displays and all of that sort of stuff. We're right in a beautiful location. As you walk from Hoban towards Covent Garden, you can see us right at the end of Old Great yeah. Green Street, um, opposite the pub I had my last drink in, which is completely <laughs> oh, <really>? ironic. <laughs> yes, completely accidental. But we're in this lovely spot, which is easy to find, which you, you'll see as you walk down from Hoban. Um, we've got a lovely window with displays in right opposite a zebra crossing. And as you walk in, like I say, you've got this space with lots of bottles, with with shelving that's been designed as a colour that helps uh, alcohol-free brands tend to have a lot brighter branding than alcohol. So we wanted all of those colours to pop on the shelf. So we've got um, some lovely dark stained um, wood shelves with pop-up tables underneath. And then at the back, we've got a bar space where we've got an amazing mixologist in Noah who used to um, uh, work for bar chains in Bristol and has moved to completely design our cocktail menu, run our cocktail masterclasses and our trade training there. So there's space for people to sit upstairs, not massive. You know, I'm going to have to say this at licensing committee, you know, it's not going to be hundreds of people falling out drunk on a (laughs) 0.6% drink, which is what we're asking to serve. And then downstairs, we've got an additional space which serves as a training space for the on-trade which um, doubles up as a speakeasy so we can extend there in the evenings where we're open late and we're open late on a Thursday, Friday and Saturday where the brands can do meetings, trade events, whatever they want. We wanted to have that versatile space because training the trade is a really important part of it. We want venues to know they can come in and play around with all the product and go away and work out what their menus will be and get the right advice from us and Noah and Hope and Josh who are managing the shop. So not only is the the space itself full of the things that you'd want to see, but we've also got an amazing set of staff who absolutely know the drinks like the back of their hands and can give you all sorts of advice. And you can, you're offering samples or people, not samples, but people can taste all of the products if they want It's called a tasting room for a reason, which is that people can come in and try stuff. Nobody goes away without having tried something. 
and we have all of the brands on rotation being sampled and some of them are sampled all of the time so Everly from French Bloom and Sentia are always available to try as is Lucky Saint and some of the wines and so we've, we've got a core of brands that are really invested in the space as we speak today Caliano's in the shop Ellie's in there um, despite the train strike um, <laughs> bringing a bit of South American cheer to the uh, to what is a very cold and damp day out side so the brands have got um, opportunities to come in and sample meet the consumers the space is all about education wow i'm, I'm exhausted from that because there's, <laughs> so, there's so much for us to to try and look forward to and and also you've also recently launched a cocktail trail i believe so could you tell us a little bit about that please yeah one of the things i've always wanted to do is to um I mean, I've always wanted to have a really good guide to where you can buy low and low, but it's such an ever-changing and progressive um, set of venues that um, it's quite hard to keep up with. But we've spoken to all of the cocktail bars in the West End. So we've got a trail of, I think, at the last count, we've now back up to about 20 um, venues all around the West End, including Swift and uh, Nightjar and uh, loads of different bars in the area. I think Ping Pong's come on today. So they've all got alcohol-free options. They normally have them, but we've made them part of the trail so people know that they can go out in the West End in January. They don't have to avoid it. There's some wonderful drinks for them to try. Um, they're all on a map on our website and a list of all the cocktails. And then Noah's designed us some really exciting cocktails for January that I didn't even know were possible. <laughs> um, there's something that uses a clarified oat milk. I didn't even know you put milk in a cocktail. <laughs> this is why, Sandra, that we've employed really good staff because you really don't want me to make you a cocktail. Um, but I'm I'm really excited about that trail and the fact that we we see ourselves as being part of the hospitality sector, not that we're this shop that's just there to, to serve customers, but we feel that we've got something to add to every bar and restaurant in this country in terms of supporting them to have a better range of low and no, bringing expertise into the space, being that independent voice um, and helping them get customers through the door. Because at the end of the day, that's what I want. I want everyone to be able to go through the door and go, oh, well, I went in and there was this really lovely beer or there's this very lovely wine or there's this very lovely cocktail. And wasn't it, wasn't it brilliant? I had as good an experience as my friend who went in and had an, a, a, a stronger version of the same thing. Yeah, it's fantastic. So out of all of the many, many things that you've done, we're talking about this space now with your with the club soda hat on. What's been your proudest moment to date? I have to say that I, I used to say the festival, right? Because doing the festival was a I'm, you know, talk about moving outside your comfort zone. I'm not an event organizer, a festival organizer. Doing two days at the Truman Brewery when we did the first one in 2019 was absolutely phenomenal. We had this amazing program of speakers across two days. It was just amazing and to have been able to pull that together. But now actually the shop does does get there and I I'm in awe of I've always been in awe of anyone who makes a drink. I'm definitely in awe of anyone who opens a venue and the learning curve you have to go through. Like, how is it not easy to put an internet into a commercial property? I don't understand. But anyway, <laughs> you know, those small things. Um, but you know, I've never underestimated how hard the hospitality sector is and how hard the drink sector is. And I only dip into it a little bit. But after the experience of opening the shop, I'm even even more awe of, of people. And so I want to support that network of venues. And 
my aim is to put us out of business, right? This isn't, you know, I want every single small retailer and every single venue to have such a good range of alcohol free that the need for a specialist store in London or elsewhere isn't necessary. But right now, I realise that the best way I can achieve my goal of helping people to drink more mindfully and live well is to actually put bricks and mortar in spaces where people least expect it. And I don't want London to be the the, the last. It's the first of what I hope are many That's to create, um, yeah, to create a sense of momentum and exploration and a space for people to really normalise that idea that um, that alcohol free or low alcohol drinks are perfectly acceptable part of our society. Wow, isn't that great? Because, I mean, it just goes to show giving up drinks can be really good for you. <laughs> I tell you, I mean, I found like I was a, I was a real pain in the arse when I was drinking. I'm an even bigger pain in the arse now, honestly. <laughs> but what I mean is it's you've, you've got this amazing career from it. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yes, you did it for health reasons or whatever reasons you do it for. And, and, you know, we're trying to do a bit of that as well. But there's so much that's come out of it. So it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. And obviously, as we speak, we're in dry January and um, some people can slip easily into it. And for others, it's more of a challenge. Have you got some sort of basic, simple tips you could share with our listeners of how to really make dry January work for them? Yes, I'd always say that don't start from the position of what you want to take away. For me, for many years, it's really nice not to have a New Year's resolution, which is give up drinking, I have to say. But we often focus on what we're taking away and then we feel very absent from it. And what I would say is, is really think about the life that you want to lead. What is it that you want to do in your future? What is it you would like to do over the whole course of this year? And then reflect on your drinking as it is now and reflect on whether that relationship with alcohol will get you where you want to be and that will give you some clues as to whether what you need to do is to save drinking for certain times not drink in certain places with certain people or whether to give it a bit of a break to see how it feels I have to say that it's not going to do you any harm to take a break from drinking and like some weird articles that have appeared this week which are ridiculous but anyway it won't do any harm to take a break and I have to say three months is a charm in giving up drinking at that point um, your energy comes back and you um, your body's got rid of all of those residual impacts of alcohol so if you can manage three months I'd highly recommend it but any length of time is great what you'll do is you'll learn about your triggers and where you've been drinking absent-mindedly or where you've been drinking drinks that actually you didn't really enjoy that much or whether you've been drinking to stay at something you don't enjoy which is a very particular British obsession that we we drink to stay at things we don't enjoy and then we write off the whole of our weekends as a result of it whereas I, my advice is to go home if you're not enjoying yourself so that's so so you know think about who you are where you want to be the life you want to lead and then work out where alcohol will either help you or or stop you getting to the place you want to be the second is is to find a really nice alcohol free drink it's substitution is one of the most important behavior change techniques of all you know a, a a low calorie chocolate bar for a high you know from a high calorie one same with drinking if you can find a drink that you really enjoy then it makes it easier when you're out to make a choice to not drink that evening And particularly, I'll always recommend, even if you're moderating your drinking, to start your evening with two alcohol-free drinks. And then you can make the decision if this is a time, place and people that you want to drink with or whether actually you'd rather not go home and save drinking for another day. So 
that alcohol-free drink becomes really powerful for you. It's it's the thing that you know you can lean on at any point in time and that you can have in the fridge as a backup. And that's really good too. And the other is is to stay social. You know, we are social beings. And if you think that hiding away in January will help you not drink, then you're missing a really important skill, which is learning to socialize without drinking and realizing that the sky doesn't fall in. For me, I went to the pub really quickly after giving up drinking. I'm really glad I did. I um, It became like a real fun, sort of anarchic, rebellious thing to do, which suits my personality, but I'm aware that it doesn't suit everybody else. It's a lot easier to do that now. But, you know, make sure that you take control of which pub you go to, that it's got one that's got, you know, some lucky saint on draft or some big drop or something or whatever it is that you want to drink. The good thing is, is most venues have their menu online now. So do a little bit of research find the pubs that you want to go to and practice because the more you practice not drinking when you're out the more that you'll be able to make the right decisions for you when you're drinking the rest of the year about whether you're drinking or not and know what it is that you can you know whether you want to drink or whether you want to go home or you know how you might moderate it's all about practice it is it's fantastic tips absolutely and lastly just for for any bar or pub owners about making their venues more inclusive for people to come in and enjoy said non-alcoholic drinks or low abv drinks yeah so think about your current menu what you are if you're a a tap room think about the craft beers that suit your tap room there's there's plenty of um, alcohol-free craft beers both on tap and in in can you know if you're a wine bar what are the things that you want to put on that are as good a quality that you're as happy with as your alcoholic choices if you're not happy with the product you're not going to be able to sell it right because you don't think it's any good so make sure you find what you want. And you can come in and try things at Club Soda. We've had a few venues in this week trying stuff so they can build their alcohol-free menu. But make sure it, it it's as good, you're as proud of it as you are your alcoholic menu. Then make sure you put it on menus and tell people about it. I can't, you know, I've turned up to 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 tap rooms where they've got really good alcohol-free beers but everyone's drinking a coke because they haven't put it on the menu so make sure you tell people they do need some extra guidance this is a new area of drinks most people come with the assumption there isn't anything so you have to work a little bit hard to show them that you do have something whether that's putting it in a separate section or mixing it in with your alcoholic drinks with the abv and having a separate section that's probably the the nice thing to do right now making sure you're putting specials on the chalkboard and if you have an offer like a slice of pizza and a beer for a fiver make sure you offer an alcohol-free beer for that fiver as well there's a there's a place there's there's places in Dalston where it's cheaper for me to drink alcohol with my and have a size pizza than to to just have a piece of pizza on its own that's balmy right so uh, equalize your offers and that includes in your email chain I won't say anything about anyone like Coke Brasserie um, which always email me to say how much wine they're going to give me for free and I email them back and say excellent I don't drink wine so what have you got for me and they say oh we can give you a dessert I said well, why don't you tell everybody you can give them a dessert because I tell you I'll be at Coke Brasserie every day for a free dessert so um so you know um equalize your offers and don't assume that everybody reading your emails or anything only wants alcohol so make sure you tell them about what you've got as well and you know mother's day not every mother wants um a glass of free on mother's day she may want a really beautiful glass of um sparkling um tea so why not put, put both of those things on the offer and not just one of them because i won't book somewhere that where there isn't an offer that works for me Absolutely. That's brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. And then I'll just say, 
do train your staff. We've got a free training course on the basics of low and no questions people ask, how to answer them. That's free for your staff to do. If you go on joinclubsoda.com, you can do that. We also, as I said earlier, have got a free course, for a wellness course for staff who might want to explore their own drinking habits. You can also find that on joinclubsoda.com. So we've got resources to support you. I'm not just telling you to go and do it and not help you. We're here to help. Fan-bloody-tastic, that's all I can say. So we said that you're the best person to speak to during dry January, but actually you're the best person to speak to all year round. So thank you so much, Laura. That was incredible. And we will be joining you on our Mindful Drinking. Brilliant. Thank you so much, guys. It's been fantastic. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks, Laura. That's all for now from the Cocktail Lovers podcast as we're taking a short break. But we'll be back soon with season five with more products, bars, books, special international guests and plenty of chat. In the meantime, you can grab a copy of the Cocktail Lovers magazine, follow us on Instagram or sign up for our newsletter. For details, see thecocktaillovers.com. We'd also love to hear from you. So please drop us a line via the contact form also on thecocktaillovers.com. We look forward to sharing the cocktail love with you again very, very soon. Cheers. Cheers.